Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hello. Hello. Well, here we are. Welcome. It's our Christmas special Slash edition birthday. of Reasons. It's what? Slash birthday. Well, yeah, because your birthday's <laughs> Christmas Eve. It is exactly, yes. It's a double presents for yeah, you. You got me very nice presents. Um, you got me a very nice present. Oh. Ed got me a vegan cheese making kit. <laughs> you got everyone yeah. should have one. I, yeah. I have two. <laughs> just in case yeah. I, should, I should explain who's here and why why we're here why? It's, I, think, I think it's fair I don't to... think there's an easy answer to the no, last not really. question I think we're calling it an annual tradition we are uh, every family like every family in the country in the land class struggle this is this is a board game that Ed played as a boy it's, yeah. it's, uh, it was invented by a Marxist academic who went bust and... apparently <laughs> and it's it's an alternative to, to Monopoly yeah. so we're gathered around the kitchen table and uh, with us we, we should say who we're delighted to be joined by first Josie Rourke who is you're a friend of Ed's in real life in real life not just in podcast land it's fiction as opposed to our other guests you have to pretend to be a friend we will Josie has just directed Mary Queen of Scots which is going to be out of the pictures uh, any day now was there any point at which you thought about casting Ed as anything were we discussed this yeah this is a sore point actually he was going to come and be an extra in the court of Elizabeth I and then I decided it would be A. distracting and B. I'd never made a film before and I knew that people would just be gawping at Ed while I was trying to work out how to be a film director. And I couldn't grow a big enough beard, we also it was, thought. It's actually worse than I asked my mum along, so my mum and dad come along, right? So the first day of shooting, uh, the first day to see me shooting, I'm about two weeks in, and, you know, they put cans on and stand by the monitors, and I expect that they're going to see me direct a few takes and just go, we're really proud of you, kid, dead well done. And, and we do three takes of Margot Robbie being Elizabeth I, and uh, I take my cans off and look expectantly at my mother, and she goes, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> out, going back 
she's, she's got the makings of a great producer. That's what you've got, you've got there. Uh, also with us is David Runciman from the Talking Politics podcast. Now, I was in the library with my, my toddler a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was reading him a story, and, and somebody came over and said, excuse me, I recognise your voice. Are you, are you Jeff Lloyd from the Reasons to be Cheerful podcast? I said, yes. He said, I'll tell you what podcast I really like, and you should get him on, though, is Talking Politics. And then I just had to listen to him wax lyrical about you for about it's 20 been a minutes. Run, you've had runaway success this year. By advocating votes for not quite toddlers. No, I, thought, I thought you were going to say they yeah. came up and said, these kids are all going to get the votes soon. But six, six-year-olds. Six-year-olds, yeah, that was the line. Got you a lot Silence. of attention. Yeah. <laughs> How's your six-year-old demographic for the podcast listenerships? Good, stuff? I think. Good, <laughs> yeah. I did a place set in a polling station. They'd have to obviously lower the booth, wouldn't they? Or they could stand on each other's shoulders and put an overcoat on. They would. They would. <laughs> overcoat is one of the classic signs of voter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> and you are hearing my friend, the comedian, director. You're a polymath these days. You're friends in real life. I do many maths. Yeah, we're yeah. friends in real yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. IRL. Yeah. Chris Addison, and a lot of popular culture is missing from Ed. Gordon Brown ate my 90s. Uh, and so... so <laughs> You can blame Gordon Brown for never switching the telly on. You'll have <laughs> Maybe that's true. Um, but I asked Ed about the thick of it, in which, of course, you played Ollie Reader, mm. and Ed said it's, it's too painful for you to watch far the thick of it. Far too painful. Well, I mean, you know, I can understand that it's far too painful for me to watch politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the thing where you sit around saying whether we, let's, we're doing this for the bat people? Have I the got quiet the, bat people. The quiet bat yeah, people. The, yes, uh, which comes up, that's one of the things that gets tweeted at me most often because it's the one that sounds most like regular things. It really people, does. Hard working families. It starts with hard working families. It starts with hard And it ends with the <laughs> quiet bat people. The quiet bat people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to play class drugs. And we're going to intersperse it with. We have uh, put some topics into. Uh, we were supposed to be a Christmas stocking, but I'm not quite sure what this receptacle is. Um, and we're, we're going to draw out topics and try and find reasons to be cheerful. We, we're, going to, we're going to try and stay on brand. Aren't yeah, we? we're going to find reasons because to be optimistic. For the end going to be, of the year. You can listen to lots of review podcasts that will say the world is really shit. And it's getting worse, and it's like terrible. Mine, yeah, like I didn't know what I was saying. But, uh, and so we're, we're trying to be the we're trying to be the alternative, aren't we, Jeff? Yes. Although it's going to be a stretch. At the well, let, let, let's see. So, do you want to talk us through class struggle for anybody who wasn't listening to last year's episode? Yeah, let's start cheering. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is about the workers and the capitalists. Uh, we're going to roll <laughs> dice. We've got to decide first of all who is the mo- palest white male. Palest whitest. I think Mailers. it might be you, Jeff. Yeah. I think Chris and I are both quite pale. But I've got, you've got quite rosy cheeks. You're ruddy of cheek, mm, aren't you? Yes. I think you're yeah. pale, so you get to roll first okay. and work out who you are. It's not got numbers on it, by the way. It's got various symbols. Oh, and I, It looks... seems to be a top hat with you a dollar sign on it. That is extremely Wait. bad news for, for all of us, I think. Right, Jeff's the capitalist. Yeah, Jeff's going to be fine. He's terrible with money. Jeff is the capitalist. Now, who's the next palest? Well, yeah, we should say that this isn't something we've made up. It's in the rules that to reflect, to reflect white, white privilege, privilege the yeah, palest white male yeah. should, should not just reflect white privilege, but apparently uh, reinforce it yeah. on the game. I've got. Uh, you're you're a worker. I'm the worker. It's, so what does that mean? What about a worker, Jeff? What about a worker? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? What you that are mean? the farmer. The am I? Yeah. Yeah. Presumably I'm next, am I? I, I think yeah. you're more privileged than I am. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm the shopkeeper. Attaché case. What's that? What's the attaché? Diplomatic servant. What's that? I'm the professional class. Professional oh. class. Congratulations. Yeah. This is the game you played all the time as a child. All the time, yeah. <laughs> Not really reflected in your knowledge of the game. <laughs> no, it is. No. Okay. So the, the first square is class struggle begins. So I go six spaces. Growth in church attendance. Workers, one debit. I, I think it's only if the worker lands on the square. What happened. happened there is that Jeff threw a dice, moved six places, and nothing happened. Correct. <laughs> okay. The church attendance Great went game. up. Yeah, yeah. The church attendance went up. <laughs> right. From memory, this is how this is going to play out for the next who's six, six hours. Yeah, things don't just happen like that, you see, in, in, exactly. in social change. I'm in mean, show business. And yes. just this is a tectonic plate that a long time to shift. Shall we pause to, uh, to pick out a topic and try and find a reason to be cheerful? Yeah. Josie, do you want to go first? Does that say America? It does say America, yeah. <laughs> We're not mm. in it. <laughs> so I feel about America that it's um, it's a great country, fantastic people, amazing diversity, terrible politics. So if the politics was good, think, like if they got rid of that half-assed constitution, if they kind of you know, tried a real democracy, just think what that you country could do. You want to get rid of the constitution. Like, if you just think what a great country America would be if it had... Serious functioning politics. Give us one thing that you would that you would take the money out. Lobbying is that is that a constitutional matter? Yes, make it possible so that electoral politics works. Stop the states from gerrymandering. Right, right, right. Um, Reform it, invigorate it, update it. I mean, there are reasons to be optimistic about America because Trump's in trouble. Yeah, midterms bad. Is see, people always say Trump's in trouble. Like yeah. every day on Twitter, somebody yeah, says, here it, here it we is, got him. it's got the smoking him. gun. Because yeah. one of the things is he goes, no. Because shame is dead, uh, you know, he would he'd be gone long before if shame was still actually a functioning yeah. um, emotion. But it seems some, I don't know, it left on a ship in the night uh, about 18 months ago. And now and now he he is happy just to, yeah, that's not me. No, I, I will say the direct opposite. When, and you can hold up all the evidence in front of me whilst I'm saying it. I'll still deny the thing that is happening. So it's very difficult to sort of to get rid of it. I, I think some of the most vivid debates I've had about identity I've had with Americans in, in America over the past 12 months, and that's been, you know, an incredibly intellectually positive thing. We've got a great play running at the Donmar at the moment that Lynn Nottage has writ- written. She spent two years in Reading, Pennsylvania, trying to work out what happened there to the steel industry. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to see it sweat. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say this modestly because I didn't direct it, but it's a gigantic hit, you know, and I think there is an appetite for um, people as well as bemoaning where America is politically, delving into the positive identity around America and trying to work out what that has to do with our own lives here. I think it's quite vivid in positive ways as well as negative ways. And it's exciting watching people be uh, be engaged and energised in opposition to something. Even, even you know, it, it, it shakes... It feels like some complacency has been shaken out of folk but by, in America by uh, by Trump, and that is reflected in the midterm results to to an extent, and also in some of the people who have been elected there, the the kind of people who you're not used to seeing as part of mainstream American politics, which is fantastic. And you know, Godspeed, a similar thing here. Obviously. And the Democratic primaries are going to be thrilling, right? Absolutely, it's thrilling. going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, I like this guy one. Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Who, who didn't win in Texas but did very well. Um, but I think partly because he's found a way of doing the opposite of the Trump. Th- he, he's not mm. trying to be the Trump of the left. He's trying to sort of – he's trying to find a different way of uh, – uh, unifying the country is a sort of – sounds like, as a platitude, but of trying to sort of talk in a more 
Open. But open, but also not in such a div- you know he, he he sort of basically says Trump's a divider and he wants to try and you, yeah. you know unite the country, but also but not in a way that means he's soggy and doesn't offer any no. radicalism. I don't know that much about him. What but- seems interesting to me about when when he talks is that he talks in a in a way that. It uh, certainly appears to be somebody going, uh, um, well, I'm not just going to give you all the positives about my point of view. I'm going to say, yeah, listen, yeah, this is what true, the reality actually. is. And we all know that that's the reality. So here's what we, here's how we have to approach it. And then he gives you a really cogent, simple, short, intellectual argument that is very persuasive, um, po- pointing you in sort of in the pro- a progressive direction. He did this thing, didn't he, when he was asked about the kneeling for the national yeah, anthem. Yeah, he, he sort of... Mm gave an answer about why he thought kneeling was fine, but in a way that was sort of... Yeah. Uh, tried to understand what people yeah. were because, thinking about because it. Because the, the two responses up to that point are, this is, a, this is an outrage you are traducing the American flag and everything that stands for, or uh, this is about, you know, all-out um, struggle. So uh, The resistance. Uh, the resistance and, and all that. And what, what he was able to do was say, listen... Uh, it's more complicated than that and do it in a way that didn't make people go, oh, is it complicated? Oh, well, in which case I'm going to switch over. He actually made that an but appealing isn't idea, the key to a the, flattering Isn't idea. the key to this, which also speaks to what we've got in this country, is distinguishing the sort of the leaders you don't like from the people that voted for them. And I think that's sometimes a mistake that is made. In other words, oh, yeah, 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 not... Yeah. It sounds like what this play is doing. Yeah. Not typecasting the people who voted for Trump or voted for Brexit... As opposed to the, you know, you can have very negative feelings about Trump or Nigel Farage or whatever. But it doesn't mean you then have to have the same negative feelings about the people that voted the, the way they were recommending, maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, there's a thing Chris was saying about the, the sort of um, death of shame. I think it's a thing as well about the death of honour. And honour is mm. a really complicated idea, isn't it? Because it's quite a Roman idea. And it feels quite privileged and quite white and quite uncomfortable. And America clearly constructed a lot of it, some of which was theatrical and some of which was real, in the sense of what a presidency was and what their sort of offices and, and articles of state were. And I think that they're needing to go through a process where they work out what it is, again, because it has been completely exploded. And there is something about about O'Rourke where you go, he does feel like he's honourable, but in a slightly different way. And I wonder what triggers that and what that might be yeah. within um, him. Yeah. Because it feels like that that's... Feels like that's a question for our politics as well at the moment. David's going to tell us who he likes for twenty twenty. No, but I was going to say so there was this fear that Trump was just going to trash the office. Right? There's something about having Trump as president which would just kind of hollow it out. And yeah. Who, who would who would want to be president after Trump? People are desperate to be president after <laughs> Trump. I mean, it's, I think you know, there's there's more drive, there's more desire for yeah. people to get to Washington. He hasn't he hasn't drained the swamp, but he also hasn't trashed the brand completely. And I think all of these people think they can rescue it. I mean, I think that's the excitement of this. You've got all these different Democratic candidates absolutely desperate to be president after Donald Trump. But isn't and, that on the terms that he laid out? Yeah, but then I think these other candidates are going to test it. I mean, some of the, I'm, some Democrats will definitely go the demagogue populist route, and one of them might win. I mean, it's possible that the Democrats will choose a Trumpy candidate, but they might not. There we go. There's the positive, but they might not. <laughs> Josie, why don't you go next? We want the professional classes voice in this. You're very centrist. Five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alt centre. Eight. Eight. Okay, Alt where centre. am I? Okay. Um, okay. One, two, three, oh, four, boy, five, is... six, seven, oh. eight. Capitalist control Congress. Now, I think that I think that if you're not a capitalist royal, you might get the assets or the debits, I think. Okay, well, I'm the professional class and capitalists get two assets. I think you get two assets. Do I? Yeah. Okay. How okay. do people... You must have the assets? Otherwise... Power? 
Two, I'll take two. Right. Two assets, yeah. David, why don't you go next? Can I just ask? Yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. a bit late in the process. It probably is a bit what late. Is the, what, how do you know when you've won the game? Church again. Church oh, again. This is a really potential <laughs> question, Chris. <laughs> right. Only the... People have been puzzling about that for many, many years. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. Four, seven. We're all sort of congregating yeah, on. Are. It's because we're not so different after all. Hang on. <laughs> Chance... This is me, the shot. I've got a chance for an alliance with the farmers. So what happens then? <laughs> so how, how do you go about this then? You sing, the farmers and the shopkeepers must be friends from Oklahoma. <laughs> Until they enter into an alliance then, with one of them. Did you have a lot of businesses as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to have this? Ed, it's can your have, game! Can I have an alliance? Can I have an alliance? Oh, trade you as a fault. Can I have an alliance with David then? I think let, let David and I have an alliance. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. So, so what does that mean? Well, it's a very dramatic moment in the class struggle, which is the shopkeepers, <laughs> shopkeepers and, the and the farmers have come together. Yeah, so you're trying to sort of cooperative going on. Yeah, is it cooperative? I Are you basically mm-hmm. Riverford? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in an alliance. We'll work out what that means. All right, Chris, you, uh, we, we, we're going to pause here to pick out another topic to be optimistic about. Chris is going to all written on Christmas labels. Yeah. It's a nice touch, right? Um, uh, yes, it's a lovely touch. Yeah. I think it says culture, ironically. Yes. Culture? Um, yeah. Culture. A, a culture. Josie, what's the to be excited oh, about? So much. So much. I mean, there's loads going on. I think uh, the theatre community that I'm a part of is completely thriving. Um, I am most excited this year by the number of new people who've become artistic directors, partly because I'm stopping being one. But there's definitely been a big influx of new voices and new people in that programming, which is where it really counts if you want to make change there. Um, fantastic young woman called Lynette Linton. She's taken over the Bush Theatre, which was my former address before the Donmar. And she's brilliant. She's directed this play at the Donmar for us. And Kwame Kwaimars at the Young Vic. That feels really exciting. So I think theatre-wise, it's all thriving. There's some really good stuff opened, subsidised and West End. You can go and see some great plays. I'd recommend them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love Island was a big hit this year for me. Love Island. Yeah. Sorry, let me just reread the thing. Culture. <laughs> Do you think that's... Jeff culture? tried to defend Love Island. Ed was, they asked Ed to go on and not the Love Island itself. <laughs> yeah. Not Love Island itself. No. Funnily enough, that's next year, yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you think culture has coped with the times that we're living in? I mean, you mentioned your, the play that you've got coming up. I mean, I think, I, I think culture sort of is the times that we're living in, you know, because one of the great things about what culture can do, unlike having to get a new government in or go through an electoral cycle, is it can turn around big ideas quickly. So playwrights can write quickly and television actually is becoming swifter and swifter, I think, in terms of how it gets from development into production. That gap seems to be closing because of the big appetite for it. I was interested to see your reaction on... So people went nuts on Twitter because they released a trailer for this Brexit film that's coming out on HBO. That's right. And uh, you you had strong opinions on that. People went nuts over the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Did they go... Yeah, OK. So firstly, did they go nuts over a trailer? I mean, like, they just seem very affronted that there was a film very about affronted Brexit. They feel very affronted Brexit, which I find... Uh, so I find that really weird just because I don't understand why theatre or television or culture can't form a part of the fourth estate in its function. Like, I don't see why we're not allowed to talk about stuff as it's happening. Yeah, because um, we're lovies, that's why. It's very yeah. important that lovies don't say anything. No, that's probably right. But, like, what? Who who is going to put the statute of limitations on an event being over before someone can start to write about it? I don't understand. It's crazy. Um, so that was very, very weird. But I think there also seems to me to be, at the moment, a little bit of strange ownership going on around who is allowed to write about Cambridge Analytica and what's occurring in that. 
So <laughs> Ed's raising his eyebrows at me as if going, don't say dangerous stuff, Josie. But I think... No, 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 no. I think, I think that's probably really true. So I think there's a sense in which, and I, I should say, this is my mate, James Graham, and actually we did a show that we started researching back in 2015 called Privacy, in which we went and met some of the scientists who were behind some of the research on which um, the analytica stuff was based and actually at that point James Graham was saying to me as we're starting to look at how the internet uses our data surely people must be using this to influence elections I'm like well let's see if we can get any evidence James and we kind of couldn't stand it up well enough to put it in the show other than here are two guys who are stripping your Facebook to tell you what your habits are but he's been right in the heart of that for such a long time Um, it's great that he's writing about it which is I think part of this Brexit drama and the gigantic upset about it that occurred on Twitter. I think it's a weird thing, isn't there? Because it's often the first thing that is said. Then comes a story. Then it becomes a Twitter story. And then people attach to it. And then it becomes very heated. So, you know, it's a weird thing when the Mary Queen of Scots trailer came out where people are like, she's not got a French accent. I'm like, watch the film. She speaks French. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's not... There's, but there's but do you think the... Into- I mean, we're all aware now of this in- sense of intolerance and sort of bitterness. Were people always like this? And now they've got a chance to express it through social media? Or were some people always like this? Or has it got worse? I think it's a rush to ownership. I think that's one of the things that happens is a rush to go, I own the opinion about this. I own the right to write this story. I own this part of this narrative. Get your tanks off my intellectual lawn. But also, the stakes seem impossibly high right now. So, so people, everything, and everything seems existential. People are furious because it feels like we, we are running, especially now we've got a ticking clock, the great dramatic device. We've got a ticking clock of March the 29th. Almost so as good as class struggle. Feels, feels like, I mean, it, is, it doesn't have quite the highs of class struggle, no. but it certainly has yeah. many of the same lows. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I... You know, I think that it's we we all feel like we are. Our opinion is is either going to come to pass or there will be catastrophe. Right? Everybody believes that on some fundamental level, and so people are screaming louder and louder and louder as the car is getting closer and closer and closer to the cliff. That I think is also why people. Uh, I completely agree with you about the rush to ownership, yeah. but I also think that with this specific topic. Because actually, the whole Cambridge Analytica story has been largely ignored by the government and the rest of the fourth estate. I mean, you know, aside from what the brilliance of the Carol Cabolid is yeah. doing, this this huge story that, that if it were in another country, we would be going, well, look at those idiots, uh, has been ignored by our government and our opposition and the press. So so for, um, for Lovey's to bring it up, and not only that, but Lovey's, via HBO and American stalwarts to do it um, seems it, it seems like for some people it seems like thank fuck thank goodness that somebody is actually doing that for other people it's we're not supposed to talk about that because that's well, shut up so there's, <laughs> the, the, those people shouting what very do you loud do? So, I, so I think the difference is it is worse because every battle people think is the war you know there's that feeling yeah, what if this is yeah. the one we can't afford to You're lose right, yeah. Uh, because no one knows which is the one that's going to settle it. If you're right in the middle of something which is chaotic and could end up anywhere, yeah. there is that absolute fear. What if we set out the one trivial-seeming fight that actually turned out to be the key fight? Yeah, right. and I think that's the thing. That's that, why people go nuts over the Newsnight so Vicar, like, you know, part of the thing for is, example. Over the what? The Newsnight Vicar? Comes on and blesses at the end of every news night. <laughs> it's a hugely controversial thing. It was a woman who was a vicar, or what she wasn't really, you have, or something. You could, you could have persuaded yeah. me of anything. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'd have believed you. Uh, and that's different. Don't you think it's different from even? It's that thing of 
like at some point you've got to lose in, in, Feels like in politics. Go, you've I mean, some fights you're going to lose, and this, today there's that thought we cannot afford honestly, to took, lose a single. I fight. took a few months off looking at Twitter this year, and because it was like it's like going on there, and it's like somebody's putting a broken bottle in someone's face, yeah, all he, the time. I mean, that's so why did you, you go back on it then? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there's also look. There's, there's a very simple debate in here whether it's about Brexit or not, which goes: Are artists allowed to write about the news? Yeah, right. Or, or like, because because there's a big underpinning that goes: Could you just please stick to daffodils? No, but and I think most I people think would say yes in principle. It's just in, in in practice when it gets to the issue that they feel ownership of, or they feel annoyed about, or they want to make assumptions about James Graham's two minute trailer and what it really means. Is it pro Brexit or something? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. You're shouting fire in my crowded theatre. No, I know, but it just. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so Damon Albarn calls for a citizens' assembly. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Citizens' assembly. Yeah. Damon Albarn calls for it. It's toxic, right? We get very irritated with artists campaigning about stuff, but I actually can't think of a single thing within the arts, if you want to think of that as a trade, that artists have ever campaigned for that we've succeeded in persuading government to do. That's a cheery thought. Yeah, but isn't that interesting? Because that just basically means really? we're rubbish at campaigning. Yeah, what have we success? What have we success? Free museums, lobbied or campaigned. Free museums well, and galleries. But that really came from the Secretary of State of Culture, didn't it? Rather than uh, from right. like it, it's like you go, wow, you know, manufacturing is quite successful at winning this debate. Small business has done this quite effectively. Yeah. Actually, it turns out we're not that good at it. But that's because what happens when we go on strike. Right. People like people oh, go. Oh, thank ca- God, it's cancelled. Yeah, that's great. Quick, oh, stick Netflix yeah. on, get a delivery. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. If, <laughs> if people making grommets go on strike, you can't make the planes, and then nobody's going to fly. Yeah. But if we go on strike, oh yeah. no, I'm not going to see yeah. an insightful look at the psyche of a middle-aged man again. <laughs> yeah, ter- you know, it's a terrible thing. Since I've been a director, I've become aware of this. You know, like, a, like a sort of party or something, and somebody goes, "What do you do?" And you go, "I'm a theatre director." And this terrible sort of flash of guilt goes across the eyes, as if you'd said, "I'm a yoga instructor." Yeah. Like, I've not been for months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, only go if you want to go. I don't require you to go to the theatre, yeah. as Ed knows. Yeah, indeed. We, we need to uh, crack on with class struggle. Yes. Right. <laughs> Chance for an alliance with the professional class. Oh, oh Josie. Yes. Wait, and who? The capitalists and the professional yeah. classes together. Yes. Well, it's typical, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think we're going to lose. So you're oh, and typical. Yeah. The farmers won't get a look in. Yeah. So what do we have to do then? Um, Agree. I'd like some gigantic tax breaks on my conveyancing. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you should be good at this game. Okay. Wow. Are you moving house at the moment, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joe, are you going to offer the gigantic tax breaks? Yeah, yeah. And then what do I get in return? Is this stuff that you're agreeing within the framework of the game or is this just improv? <laughs> it's actually improv. It's okay. bad improv. Okay. <laughs> Is that, I mean, is there's that no bad improv? There's no, no bad ideas. There's, there's, there's a lot of right, okay, you're in, a, you're in an alliance. I think, Chris, I think it's you. I think the workers now get to sort of... What about the workers? Okay, yeah. six. Where, where's my little hammer? Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six. And I'm on a blue and pink square, which says natural disaster. Uh, so the workers get a debit and the capitalists get an asset because the capitalists are disaster. you get a debit, I'm afraid. So I get a debit... Why is natural disaster good for the capitalists? Because building infrastructure and, you know, shorting. In the same way that war is. Shorting things, the way way that Brexit will be good for uh, various people. As a historian, David, do you think this is correct? Natural disasters are good for capitalists? Yes, I'm afraid. Really? Like war, war's good Uh, for capitalists, isn't it? No, war is good for the workers in the end. 
Is it? Because they'll get shot and they don't have to worry about anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, then, then, yeah. then they, they get a better, don't they? A better welfare yeah. state. But that's, that's, but you can't, that's you can't, you can't, you can't advocate war, for war. Two, yeah. what, two, two, oh, two, two, wars. what was two, the other one? Yeah. After, the first one. Y- y- there was the best welfare state after the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and the second, yeah. But, it, but it's after world, the second one. Yeah, it's world yeah. Was the Arts Council after the Second World War? Yeah. Yeah, or think of all those paintings of Spitfires you see in the Sunday magazines. <laughs> yeah. well, actually, that is a direct that is result. actually true. It was sort of set up to stop people doing Stalinist painting. That's why it's an arm length, arm's length body in is between. Right? Oh, so yeah, in between, thing. It's in between government and artists. So, like, we can't just give money direct from government to artists. We need an intermediary. Mm. I mean, it was also to, like, cheer people up and stuff, but, yeah. When was it was sure non-political. Uh, so, 46, 47, I think, yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. David, you, you haven't picked out a topic from our little festive box yet. Oh, good. Can you guess what it is? Brexit. It's the easiest one, Brexit. Oh, oh, shit. Reasons to be cheerful about yeah. oh, dot, shit. dot, dot. We'll all be Brexit. dead soon. New Brexit. Oh. Nothing. Nothing. So it sounds. No, I think we should do Brexit. People are going to start eating stodgy British food again, so it'll be good for suet sales. Yes, I put Pudding all my money revival. into Atora. <laughs> <laughs> Spam supplies. One for the grannies. Nothing terrible has happened yet, right? We um, haven't left. So maybe nothing terrible will happen. Okay. Um, yeah. Next year will be worse than this year. This is this sounds like the thought process in Chris Grayling's head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I can't do that. There's one. nothing. There's nothing positive. There I mean, whichever well, side you're on in this, this is this is the absolute sweet spot of horror. Don't you know? Yeah. Could be. This is the low. And nothing terrible's happened yet. I haven't got anything else. To Have say. We, we just ruined Christmas for everybody. No, it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really, it really wasn't us. I, I think sort of the fundamental thing is is trying to understand whatever solution you want on Brexit. Trying to understand what the other side is feeling because I think that's what so many people on both sides don't do. They think sort of you know re, re, too many Remainers sort of seem to be under the assumption that leavers are sort of racist or stupid and too many leavers are just under the assumption that remains are just a bunch of snobs you know and so do you think so last because there's a big generational divide and you kind of always hear these stories so last christmas a lot of families are split down the middle on this because of people over 60 yeah. see it completely differently yeah. from people under 40 and so the view was just don't talk about it at christmas like mm. it'll ruin your christmas so as your advice this year talk about it at christmas we talked about it at christmas last year across the generations yeah, and, and was and there a big divide? There's not a gigantic divide, but my both my brother and my dad were quite close on it. You know, they weren't they weren't ardently. They were in the end, they were remain. But you know, I think because my dad's worked in trade all his life, um, be it thermal underwear or wood. Um, he, um, I know. He, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all at the same time. Um, yeah, 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 no, no, it's all there. It's all there. It's all available to us. But um, <laughs> uh, he's. Um, He's, he's, you know, he's got a sort of quite calm view about it. And my brother, who's mainly affected by sort of uh, legislation as someone who is a lawyer in insurance fraud, again, you know, is that they're, they're not, they're not, they're not heated about it. So we've had some quite good discussion. Good. You see, the, some people propose this Irish solution on this, you know, the Citizens Assembly. Almost the David Albarn solution. Yeah. Oh, cool. Almost yeah. nothing with Irish solution as a title <laughs> has ever truly worked out. But, but I just... Advocated by the arts community. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Or what about an Irish exit? We could do that, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's perfect. I kind of like uh, the idea, I like the idea in principle. 
I just don't quite know how you what get there. What the citizens? What, yeah, the citizens assembly. People, you get yeah. you know people from both sides come together, think about what the way forward should be. I'm, I really like it at a theoretical level. I don't quite know how in this moment. Yeah, exactly. Find the point in the Brexit process where people exactly. say, that, "What we'll do is just have a pause here and get a citizens well, that's assembly the, that, together." Whatever happens, there has to be a pause. Was Christmas? Uh, or, or, or no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, that's a bit that's slightly weird. The cliff edge is there, and yeah, we're taking ten days off because it's Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. it can't be that bad, right? If it was that bad, would they well, break for sure. Christmas? No, nothing break, about their judgment. Ed, we're looking at you. Would yeah. they break? For, they'd break yes, for Christmas. Yes, because Theresa May wants to break for Christmas. How bad to get does the things through? have to get she, before they come? But she's Christmas. running the clock now. She's she's so, so well, this is just another aspect Christmas of running good, the. Yeah. yeah, it's really helpful to her. She probably she's probably going to convert to Orthodox Christianity <laughs> so that she can <laughs> keep off till the sixth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hope she's not listening, but she might she's think that's quite a good idea. She's in Ukrainian national costume. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this one. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, chance! Chance! Oh, chance. Wow. Here we go. chance! Okay. Oh, so there's workers' chance and capitalist yeah. chance. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Workers' chance. Oh. You are treating your class allies very badly. Yep. Giving the workers a chance to force a switch in the alliance of any class it chooses. Oh. Oh, oh, please. oh, okay. Farmers. Yeah, we're yes. in. We're, we're, we're no, with farmers. You. Yes, we're both yeah, of us. Both of us. We're, we're in. in. We're, we're all in. in. Definitely. Revolution. Right. Okay. The farmers, the shopkeepers, and the workers are now together. Josie, pick us another topic out that the we can try and find. The worst one is gone. The worst one is gone. They're all mad. Exactly. I know. Children or love. Democracy. You go. I told you. Come on. Come on. Let's talk about six-year-olds. Yes. Well, there you go. The good news about democracy. So you did a you did a whole lecture on this. Yeah. You did a lecture last year, you, and then bottled like, off. The last year's one was called. <laughs> what? Sorry, was I was asking if it was bottled off. Yeah. <laughs> the last year's one was called "How Democracy Ends," and this year's one was "Democracy for Young People." I'm much more upbeat than last year. Yeah. Nice. Go on, tell us. The basic line is: um, so much has changed about who we are. Like, so the the people who represent us have been the same for a hundred years, like fifty year old white men, and it hasn't really changed much. And we've all changed. So 100 years ago, the political class was just this completely removed thing. They, they went to university, no one else did. They were well off, most people weren't. Now we're living in a country where, not half, but getting on for half, look at the political class and think they're just like us. Mm-hmm. We went to university, they went to university, they're 50, we're 50. And half the country look at them and think they're not like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're never going to get a look in because now like, it's half the population plus them. So both sides in this divide have got a reason for thinking that being represented by this group of people doesn't cut it anymore. Mm-hmm. So the ones who say they're just like us think, well, we could do it. And the ones who say we'll never get a look in say we want to say. So there's this drive now, I think, for more participation, more connection with the voters. And broadly, I think it's positive because democracy is stuck. I mean, that's I don't know what you feel about it, Ed, but that's my view. It's like the institutions haven't changed. The fact that it looks the same, someone from... A hundred years ago, we'd look at our politics and think, oh, my God, everything about your society has changed. Everything. And I completely recognise these political institutions. I completely recognise these political parties. I recognise these people. So if we've changed that much, they've got to change too. You can get a majority of people who didn't go to university and you can win. Brexit is an example of that. But if you're in that 18 to 40 group, you keep losing. You can turn out in droves. If all young people voted and all old people voted, the young people lose. 
Some people yeah. wrote to me and said, well, don't drop the voting age yeah. to six, just cut it off at 75. Not a good idea. Um, and then when democracy gets stuck, the history of it is you just got to find some people to enfranchise. That's the thing that gives it this kind of jolt of energy. And I had thought, well, we can't do that because we've run out of people to enfranchise. And then, well, no, we haven't. There is this one group that we haven't given the vote to. And why not? There's no, and there's no risk in it because we'll still be represented by 50-year-old white men because nothing ever changes that. But they will give, give some energy, excitement, unpredictability, drama, you know, make Christmas debates more interesting if the six-year-olds also had a vote. Um, My eight and nine-year-old would be quite pleased with this. Yeah, they tend to be when you mention it. Yeah. <laughs> They're quite keen. Yeah. Now you have to read this manifest. Oh. <laughs> or not you're or allowed not. to vote yeah, yeah, I mean that's the thrill yeah, yeah. you're allowed to vote even yeah. if you know nothing yeah. and care nothing you can still vote yeah great system <laughs> it's called democracy well yeah. <laughs> what, what are your ideas so I have two two things that, I've, that are not remotely frivolous as suggestions I, I believe these things fully the first is close the House of Commons sell the one that we've got we've got a huge there's a lot bill. going for that right I, I mean I all of the all of the medieval stuff about the House of Commons. The place is geared to feel like intrigue and make you feel separate. As soon as you step totally inside, right. you feel like you're in Hogwarts. Totally it's a disaster. Right. So at the moment, we're at a, we're at a point where we can do this because we're moving out anyway. Bit, moving out anyway. Here's what you do: you move to Birmingham, you move to the centre of Birmingham, and you don't just build. You don't just build a new. This is this is my radical bit. You don't just build a new Parliament building. What you do, or rather, you don't build new government buildings. What you do, you can have your new parliament building but your government building has to be in existing office blocks and it has to be interleaved floors but so there is a normal business then a government department then a normal business then a government department all all of that to take it out of the pantomime aspect of of where it is that in conjunction with my second which i and this one i this is my top pitch i want to change the electoral system but not in a kind of we must have uh, you know single transferable vote or anything like that because we've tried that recently and that that didn't work so keep first past the post for now but then this is what happens instead of the next morning all of you know those people who lost are out of work and these people have got the job we have a system that's not so unlike the american system so rather than con- continuing to sit what happens is Parliament, the day after an election, Parliament goes into a continued recess uh, where uh, it's in recess for uh, a, a month, four weeks. And for two of those weeks, each person who has just been elected has to live with their poorest constituent. Uh, and they do that um, without, you know, they, they do that without support from anybody. They have to live on the money. They are Their phone is changed. Uh, they have to actually exist in, in in that world and understand it. Then after the two weeks, they go back, they get a bit of training on what the procedures are and what it means to be an MP, and then they get to sit. That's my pitch. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I mean, let's do let's it. Do it. Cause I, I think on this thing about the House of Commons, you're right. I mean, the, the huge, well, I thought that's what partly what you were saying about if somebody came from 100 years ago, they would recognise. It's, right, yeah. it's, it's extraordinary when you think about it. Who? Bangs the ship. Who goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, yeah. me, actually. Any other, but, me, but yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not real. Nothing about that is real. And the instant that happens, it is distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no actual human. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, is that your voice? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's awful. It's genuinely awful. Yeah, and the minute it, it happens, it, it's Shame. so self-pleased. That's the worst of it. The minute you hear it, you think, how pleased are they to be with themselves? And it was set up to be distancing. I mean, that was its rationale, and it doesn't cut it anymore. It's so, awful. like a hundred years ago, it was distancing because it was massively distant, 
And now it's not. It looks ridiculous. Yeah. Like you say, it looks like pantomime because they aren't. You've, no, no, what's, so special, ask, what's so special about these people? Can I ask what's a slightly heretical question? The Scottish and Welsh parliaments yeah. don't have that flummery. Yeah. Is it any different? I mean, I'm genuinely asking that question. But if, if They've sort of got the flummery a little bit because then people applaud when you sort of... Yeah, so I think I'm a bit more resigned than Chris. I think it's always going to be a bit like that. Um, well, you, you can and that's why you need to get the energy in somewhere else. But, but you need to make them of feel course. more but uneasy. Do they the not, what, children what, what worries me watching. about it is the, is, the, is the failure to understand what that looks like. Yeah. How that sounds to people—that is a—that—that that is a part that tells a whole. It—it it, it indicates that they have no—they're tin-eared. So I, I agree with that. One of the issues is we do tend to go from naught to the fetishization of ritual yeah. within about fourteen seconds. Yeah. So so so. <laughs> It, 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 I think the question about the sort of uh, Welsh and Scottish assemblies is good because you go, yes, it would remake itself in some way. So what's the check that you hold on that? A bit like in any kind of theatrical practice. How do you start to revise that? Like what behaviour is learned and what is ritual and what is conferred and what comes from you and your identity? You know, how do you learn those behaviours and how do you unlearn, un- unlearn them? There's, um, there's a theatre practitioner called Augusto Boal you ever heard of him he wrote this kind of cool book called games for actors and non-actors that basically when people start out theatre directing everyone goes and buys it from Waterstones because it like gives you exercises you can do in a rehearsal room Um, but I think I'm right in saying and I hope I've not got this totally wrong that he actually got himself elected to I hope it's a Brazilian parliament I think it's Brazilian and took his budget and hired a company of actors and went round starting effectively these sort of theatrical exercises which are all about disruption what he would do is go into a community and start to play out part of that, that community's story. So say, I don't know, they want to put a hydroelectric, hydroelectric power station there and that's bad for people. Some of the actors play people who are members of the community and then you encourage members of the community to step in and take over. And he went around this parliament doing that. So that would be another thing you could do. You could just theatrically disrupt the houses of parliament. But do you think democracy, David, is threatened? Even though it's not been a great year, I think I'm slightly more optimistic than I was. So I wrote this book saying yeah. you know, it's, it's in its, not in its death throes, but it's over the hill. And maybe we've got another 50 years left of doing politics like this, but maybe not much more. I just kind of feel that over the last year, there's that recognition that, because I, I sort of thought we'd run out of ideas. I mean, it's partly what your podcast is about, right? Genuinely, I thought... We tried most of it. Um, we sort of know what works, and that's pretty tired now. And 100 years ago, people could look at democratic institutions and say, well, why don't you try income tax or a welfare yeah. state or you know, all sorts of things or universal education or sending everyone to university? We've tried most of it, but actually I don't think we have tried most of it. Keep, I think there are loads of things that we haven't done. But we don't keep trying. We could just keep reframing exactly. those things. Yeah. The minute you say, the minute you say, well, I think we've done it all, you really need to just call Francis Fukuyama and say, Francis, how did that end of history thing work out? So we do have an episode <laughs> with him on my podcast this year where he's uh, – Quite a lot gloomier than I was. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, that in this kind of moment, though it looks fairly bleak, sort of short term, this way of doing politics is, is going to be opened up in the next five to ten years. It has to be. And it doesn't mean it has to end. I mean, I think our big problem is that we think it's kind of democracy or the abyss. You know, it's this or fascism. It's this or the 1930s. And there's this huge spectrum which is the future and we're just still on one path and we're gonna we're gonna move slightly to the left or the right you know this way that way and it's gonna look different i think in 10 years me too is a democratic movement i think yeah. from my point of view definitely. you go you yeah. go because it's yeah. about, definitely you know we go it's about it's all about power people like to say it's all about power you go actually it's also all about privilege isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and democracy is not just that pantomime. Democracy is, you know, it's, it's a whole range of social movements. There's an yeah. incredible amount of stuff going on. Um, and w- which one of, is going to be the thing that shapes the future, we don't know. But it's, it's a bit like that thing about Trump. I mean, the, it's way more open. The, the ways this story could go than it looked five years ago. Can, can I say that while, while David's been giving his brilliant insight, Ed has just quietly handed everyone a tangerine. Yeah, with that glaze. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You didn't ask. No, no, no. You didn't look at me. Yeah. I wanna, uh, you know, you said... <laughs> you said that... Oh, and you did hand me one. I noticed he also handed me one, so it's not quite as personal as it seemed. You said that historically the thing to do has been to enfranchise somebody new. Yeah. So we're sitting with somebody who did exactly that. Uh, right. <laughs> this is precisely what you did to the to the mm-hmm. Labour Party to to mm-hmm. invigorate that mm-hmm. was the was the mm-hmm. enfranchising of mm-hmm. huge numbers of, of of people. So, and we are we arrive now at a situation where we have uh, the front bench that we have and momentum largely in charge of the party, or at least largely, you know, threatening to deselect and all of those kinds of things. Is that I mean, I'm imagining that's an unforeseen consequence of what you did, or or did you always know that that was... I, don't, I didn't think I gone? was certain that it would move the party to the left, but I thought to myself, it's not really justified to have the membership, this kind of old-style system of an electoral college and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. You need a threshold for the MPs, and then you need to have the membership elect the party. Yeah. And, you should, and look, nobody at the time thought it was remotely possible to have a membership of half a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they thought it was complete fantasy to yeah, have a yeah. political parties. No one joins political parties anymore now. I think there's a challenge about how you make those members more active because actually they're a much bigger force. They could be a much bigger force in the community than they are. But I think it's a huge resource and a huge opportunity. But it, but what's interesting to me about that is that you 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 can you but can maybe it has unforeseen consequences. Right. I mean that's the point. Only had unforeseen consequences, and that's the interesting thing about because it, because what you were doing it, you you were doing something from. From the point of view that you just yeah. explained, it makes complete sense. And uh, and I suppose I'm saying that yes, to, to to your point, it certainly has reinvigorated that 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 act of mass enfranchisement has definitely reinvigorated in one way or another the body that, that, and, that you and has led to conflict. Yeah, and has led to conflict. I guess what I'm saying is you don't know what's going to happen when you do it. No, and that's part of the point. That is what gives it the energy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that seems to me the difference. I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's it not a frivolous point, like lowering the voting age to 16, which is no, a no, very I, sensible I'm idea. Taking, yeah. But I think it's kind of predictable what would happen in a way. And also, I don't think there are enough people there to actually tip the balance. Mm-hmm. Part of the point of saying lower the voting age to six is you do not know what would happen. You genuinely don't know. It would be surprising in all sorts of ways. And that is net good. So we've been running a project um, at the Donmar where every time there's been a general election... We've gone to, in the first instance, a group of five and six-year-olds and try and, and interviewed them. We've got, well, wow. I'll share it with you. We've got a bunch of stuff that we just wow. took in kind of documentary sense. And... Uh, Dave's looking nervous. No, no, no. no, no so no, a few, no, since I did, a few people have been doing this and the results yeah, tend no, to we, be yeah, yeah, exciting. Yeah, we did he it. He says nervously. <laughs> so, so the first time we did it, what was really interesting is that it was... Um, so we run like workshops to kind of get the idea embedded and what we couldn't do was go look at this policy or what do you think of your government or none of those ideas quite landed with a six-year-old what did land was this sort of drama exercise that we did where we were like imagine an island and how would you like the island to be run yeah and what's your sense of fairness on the island and who are the people on the island and what do you want the schools for and then immediately they were in and they got it 
So I understand what you mean where you go, let's reconceptualize the way in which we talk about the terms of it. And the kind of imagine an island at this moment in our political history doesn't sound like too terrible ideas. And it, also, and it does connect with the Cambridge Analytica thing because people say, well, children are too, they're too easily persuaded, they're too vulnerable, they'll be exploited. And, and we take the protection of children seriously. We would, mm-hmm. you know, if children had the vote, we would take pretty seriously what counts as political <laughs> wow, advertising. Really yeah. what, and in a way, it's not, it doesn't follow, I think, that the adult world would infect the child world. It's possible that the child world would kind of improve the adult also, world. Also, tiny polling booths. Everyone just hold that in there. It would be cute. It would be cute. And cheaper. But they do, whenever there's an election or, or indeed a referendum, it turns out, they do a mock version at my kid's junior school. And those children take it unbelievably seriously. So from 7 to 11, the kids mm. in that school. And they took it, they, they did far more research, took far more seriously than many of the people bringing them on the schoolroom. It was remarkable. They definitely, you know, given responsibility. Kids love being given responsibility. And politicians going into schools trawling for votes would be more careful about what they said. I mean, it's just a worse look. Yeah. And so why not? A Chris Addison, David Runciman coalition... It's a very exciting process. It's happening here on the board. It wasn't it, the class struggle. <laughs> it's the farmers and the shopkeepers <laughs> advocating <laughs> votes for the children. That's what we take from this. That was what was missing from the original. <laughs> the workers. He's the workers. What, what next? <laughs> Ed, I think you should roll. I feel like oh, yes, I, I think I should roll, actually. Feel like but we're not in a while. No, that's, no, that's not that one. Oh, sorry. That's the... Okay. Yeah. Five. Government orders the destruction of all copies of dangerous game Class Struggle. Uh, Leading to bankruptcy. Be, it may be too late, however. I mean, that is, I think that's slightly self That comes after nuclear war as well. Right, to land on the Revolution Square. Right. A class has to get an exact number on the dice, blah, right? In Revolution, the points of one's allies only count if they've arrived at the Revolution Square, blah, blah. If the capitalists land on square 81, this triggers off nuclear war, slightly unfortunately, and brings an automatic end to the game. Oh. Well, that would be fairly disappointing if you've got sort of... Yeah, but all I think that's, that is the least that nuclear war would be. <laughs> <laughs> In real life, you I would be at probably least right. a bit disappointed. I think you're probably right. David, you roll. Farmers rule. Lead. I think right, it's revolution. Right. Well, we count up our things. So I think it's, you count up your things and we count up our things. Okay. Well, we've, got, we've got four we've got, assets. How many have you got? Nine. Nine. So we've got 13. I think we've got 13. We also have 13. Oh! oh! Once again, the nation is almost exactly divided. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to the beginning. <laughs> and that's politics. Happy Christmas, one and all. Very good. That was exciting. In the aftermath of revolution, we should finish for, for Christmas with a reason each. A reason to be cheerful each. Chris, do you want to start? <laughs> We're not dead yet. <laughs> That's good. Have a lap. I'm, I'm taking that one. Uh, David? Oh, so it's better than that class war world. Like That was the 1978 world. Some of that seems a bit... Yeah, a bit dry. Yeah, and... Yeah. and uh, Complicated. And oppressive. And unplayable. Uh, <laughs> unplayable, yeah. Uh, so enough- if, our, if our world is not that world, that's... Also, not enough pictures, I think. That's one of the things we've discussed. Yeah, I, I found playing Class War cheery experience yeah. because... Uh, These aren't that bit, bad. Bit dated. Yeah. <laughs> Josie? Uh, I think it's a very good world for my world of culture. 
I think it has been. I think people have had lots of opportunities to make stuff and stay stuff and do stuff. And I also, um, this is very, very personal, but I've had a little niece. It's the first grandchild. Oh, congratulations. Delilah. It's just incredibly joyful to um, be able to, yeah, just look at a baby. It's really good. I'm very pro it. I did, I, uh, when all of the sort of screeners come through for BAFTA and so on, it's really remarkable. It's a step change in terms of representation, I think, in, in, the, in the wider culture. The number of sort of front-running films that are basically led by women or by people from, um, you know, black and ethnic minorities. So it's fantastic, actually. It's, and it is, it's noticeable. It's a notable change in, within 12 months, I think. Yeah, I, I managed to... Uh, it wasn't very hard, actually, to persuade the producers in the studios to let me put people of colour in a, in a renaissance story yeah. uh, in roles we knew were white, and they were just very pro, and they were like, yeah, yeah, fine, I feel like that's changing. What's happening is, on screen, and it's been like this in theatre for a long time, is people are just admitting their imaginations to representation, and people of colour yeah. will start to play roles that have conventionally and entirely been cast as, uh, you know, white men and women, and that's... Great, because we make everything else up. So, you know, let's just open yeah. that up. Ed, what's your I've reason? got two. For, from the year? Yeah. But a I whole mean, year and you well, the, work, the first is Ireland, equal marriage last year, yeah, abortion. abortion this year. Yeah. I mean, and I think if you said the, 20 years ago, that's going to happen, people would have said, well, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen in Ireland. And, yeah. and, and I think what's really interesting about it, and I think it's, it would be worth getting one head, one's head around how this has happened, it, it seems to have happened without massive aftermath, a massive aftermath of bitterness. I mean, it seems to have just happened. I mean, maybe we just don't know, but it seems to have happened. The so legi- there are these The legislation is now being, just this week, I think, being passed, implementing it. Yeah, right. And it doesn't seem to be, you know, it seems to have been settled. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's kind that's of good. Yeah, amazing. Actually. And my, my other one was a cultural one, actually, which is Killing Eve. Oh, oh, so good. So good. So good. Brilliant. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Right, Jeff, you get the last word. Oh, God. Uh, it's, I mean, we've just had so many great ideas on the podcast this year and so many causes for optimism in the way that we can improve the country and democracy. But I, I think the one that stands out for me the most is when I checked into the Holiday Inn in Salford <laughs> in October, I was made guest of the day. They said, welcome. You've, you've been selected oh. to be guest of the day. And, and I think that is my great moment from 2018. That makes everything okay, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Phew. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say thank you? Yes. Thanks, Josie, David, and Chris. You've been thank brilliant. You. Thanks thank for having us. Thanks fun. to Bert Lallman for classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bless him. Workers of the world unite. Now throw yeah. that dice. Roll on next year. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.